Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 558. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, returning for 2022, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. Thanks to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. You'll save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Today, you're invited into the pottery studio and the cutting garden of celebrated ceramic artist Francis Palmer. We recently recorded a preview of Francis's upcoming presentation, which will take place at the Slow Flowers Summit in June. Our theme this year at the summit is Flowers as Artist Muse. And in the conversation that follows, you'll learn why we invited Francis to our gathering. Francis Palmer is a renowned potter gardener, photographer, cook, and beekeeper. Over the course of three decades, she has caught the attention not only of the countless people who collect and use her ceramics, but also of designers and design lovers. Her pieces have been carried in dozens of stores and galleries, among them Barney's New York, Takasha Maya, and the Nui Gallery. They have recently been exhibited at Object and Thing and her photographs at Wave Hill Garden in the Bronx. Frances has made special limited collections for Moda Operandi, Aaron Lauder, and March in San Francisco. In 2020, Artisan Books published Frances's Life in the Studio. The book is as beautiful and unexpected as her pottery, as breathtakingly colorful as her celebrated dahlias, and as intimate as the dinner she hosts in her studio for friends and family. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure to visit slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 558 to watch the replay video and to see Francis's Connecticut studio and cutting garden. Let's jump right in and get started. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's Deborah Prinzing. Thank you for coming back to the Slow Flowers Show. I am so excited to introduce my special guest today, Frances Palmer. Hi, Frances. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me virtually. I wish I could be there. I know. It's a beautiful, um, it's, it's the kind of day in Connecticut that makes you forget how dreary winter was. Oh, good. You've waited a long time for this then. You're, yes. This is your reward. Yes. yes. <laughs> Well, we, I asked you to join me today to give people a little sneak peek of, of what you're 
going to share and how what they're going to learn from you at the Slow Flowers Summit at the end of June. And um, I just I won't give your full introduction here, but I will ask you that um, you've been described as a potter, a gardener, a photographer, a cook a beekeeper, and of course, a writer. Um, and you've just blended all these passions into this amazing, artful life in your studio, and which is the name of your book, Life in the Studio. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how you blended it all together. I guess it's just at some point you decided, why not? Why can't I take my own photographs? And why can't I grow my own flowers? And, you know, that, that's, that's sort of a beautiful it, it, collection yeah. of talents. You know, I didn't really ask myself that. I just, I just... <laughs> kind of said, well, from the beginning when I was making work, my, my goal initially when I started was to do functional work. And as a result of functional work going out of the studio that people would buy and live with, I realized quite early on that I needed to document everything. Mm. And I think because I'm here and I'm working pretty much every day, it's that it's that practice makes perfect where you you take the photo you grow the flowers you keep you know you work on the pots every day and i just i it's just so integral to who i am that i don't even really think about it i just sort of do it right it's this holistic <laughs> approach to uh being an artist and a creative person that um, you you've, you were able to teach yourself how to be a photographer and how mm -hmm. to be a flower farmer. I have to just stop one second and just say, speaking of functional art, my homage to you today is I uh, made a little you. Mother's Day centerpiece in this beautiful piece. That oh, is that's one so of, nice. This is one, and these are all from my garden, so I had a little Excellent. bit of early spring. But this is right. a piece that you had in a... Um, a Valentine's Day bud vase collection. Oh, I several remember, years yeah. ago. Yeah, I used uh, to do that. I used to do that. That was really fun. I kind of just ran out of time. I don't. I don't have time to do that so much anymore. Oh well, they were very rare and special. And thank goodness I had a, a collaborator in my teenage son where I sent him the link and I said, "Tell Dad this is what I want for Valentine's oh, Day." Oh, that's so. That's so nice. I'm <laughs> so, so he glad. helped. He helped select it. Um, well, just where I know you're in your studio. We're going to take a walk. Um, do you want to give everyone a little tour of where you are? Are right now, and um, uh, then, then I'll ask you a few questions. Sure. So uh, you're in your studio, and if people have purchased and, and uh, read the Life in the Studio, this is a this setting is quite prominent because this is where you showcase some of your work, right? Right. Yes. Well, okay. I'm going to turn the phone around, and you tell me if it looks like anything. So we're on the um, on the second floor of my studio. Wow. And um, it's quite you know, it's a, it's a, a very working studio. So that's my packing table. And, but this is a group of uh, wood fired pots that I've been working on the past month or so to get ready for an exhibition out at Madhu in, in Sagaponic. Oh, oh my goodness. Really? So that, so that's been really exciting. And then when we go outside, um, so then you can see up here, this is a great old, so the, these beams are all from the 1790s. And then we from a t in a house in a town nearby, and then uh, we moved the beams. We moved the beams over next to the house and put out new skin on the barn. And um, and yeah, so it, you can see. Hold on, I'll go on this angle here, and you can see what amazing light I get to have mm. every day. So this is facing. I guess this is facing west. So okay. that gives me such a great afternoon light. 
And then, um, which is more for the photography, but you also need it when you're, when you're working or is your, are your, are, is all your, uh, ceramic building and pottery building downstairs? It's downstairs, which is so messy. We might like do a quick drive by, (laughs) but anyway, this is the view at the window. Oh, this is my, my first cutting garden. And then, so this is facing East. So this is where I take a lot of my photos in the morning right here mm-hmm. um, because it has such a great, great light in the morning. Is that, can you see the garden? Am I at the I right can. angle? I can. And I love the the center axis path and then the large yeah. beds um, right. so, on, on either side. So you, how do you get into the beds? Are there little places you can walk? Well, they look pretty we, wide. The, uh, they're 16 foot square and... Uh, the tulips are actually in rows. We can go down and look because then I'm going to put the dahlia hoop, the tomato cages for the dahlias in between. And it does get it does get challenging in the middle of you know the in the fall when um, the dahlias <laughs> are quite large. So you just have to kind of squish yourself through. Uh, we all we all know about that. I just have to show everyone a photo, Francis. I pulled out the first time I really knew about you was mm-hmm. in Stephen Orr's book, Tomorrow's oh, yeah. Garden, right? which is over 10 years old. But this right. is a charming photo of you with oh, this yeah. giant, you know, catch of dahlias. And yeah. uh, so I can picture exactly what you're describing yeah. about how to navigate right. an overgrown cutting garden. So, um, okay. So now we're downstairs. This is my, one of my wheels. And here mm. is a photo where I take a lot of photos in the morning. And uh-huh. then, um, it's such a mess. I'm. I really can't even believe I'm going to show that. I can't actually. I'm going to turn it around to me because you are it's so just funny. But does too... it think every artist and gardener you visit, they're telling you, "Oh, you should have come last week. It was tidier." I know, right? I don't know. I'm doing the best I can here. So, um, all right. So now we're outside and we're walking over to the first garden. So this is what you can see from upstairs. And, and is uh, this the former tennis court or was this just no, a raw land? No, no, this was this was like a little pie wedged garden. Am I do I have the camera tilted correctly? Yes, it's it's terrific. And we okay, see all good. your bulbs. Yes, and so it's you can see they're kind of in rows here. Mm. And then and then um, I'll introduce you to my my young friend Laura who is helping me plant the, the dahlias. So you can see there's room for the tomato cages. Okay. Okay. So you saw the round garden. I was going to um, take you over to the tennis court. How much property do you have all together, Francis? Um, six acres. And I, in my understanding, from what I've read in your um, your in sort of your memoir in life in the in the studio, is this was just a big family garden at one point where you raised your children and did you grow vegetables or? What was um, there? You know, I tried to grow vegetables. Well, that well, first of all, this garden was quite small when we moved in. My husband and I built this, so okay. this didn't exist when we moved in. Then here's my. Um, oh wait, I'm going to turn it. Or uh, okay, so yep. wait, I have to turn it around. So that garden. Okay. Right. Okay. Yep. And then over here is my wood kiln that I built in 2018. Oh my goodness! And this Can you is see that? yes, and this is where that pottery we just saw is produced. Yes, yes. Um, and so that that's fabulous. That, yeah, we just did that last week. It's a little messy. Do and then do you ever um, use it for like I don't know wood fired pizza or is it definitely for pottery? 
you can't you can't do pizza because the fire I'm afraid to walk over there. Yeah, you might in I case might lose I you. lose you. But the actually the fire pit is the fire pit is uh, right before the pot, so you would have to reach over the open flame. <laughs> so that really wouldn't work for pizza. <laughs> oh, right? it's, okay. it's so cool. I love it. So this is this is my gas kiln that I was doing just this morning. Okay, so oh, here is my um, here is the greenhouse. Wow. And we started sweet peas. It's yes. again. And then this, we we didn't get our lawn mode because of all the rain last weekend. But this is my, can you see all my fruit trees? Yes, your orchard. I love it. Yeah. So I've got, you know, pears and peaches and plums and apples and quince and medlars and pawpaws. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I've got lots of different, my, you know, like a, a budding arboretum. Yes. And is this more for your, just for your own personal, like preserving and enjoyment in, in yes. all your cooking? You, you're not cutting yes. any of the flowering branches for your arrangements? No, no. I mean, it's, I've struggled so hard. Like, this is the first year where I have, I, you know, I should get decent fruit and their currants. And then, um, okay, these it. are all the chrysanthemums. Mm. And you've just, have you been taking cuttings to get those rooted in or? Yes. And, you know, I just buy them when I can. And then here is the greenhouse. Mm. Here's my friend, Laura. Come say hello. Can you see Laura? Yes. Hi, Hi Laura. How are you? I'm Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> so these are all the lemon trees that we're waiting to, it to stay warmer at night. Um, and all the, the seedlings. I can't, I, is it, can you see all this? It's terrific, Francis. Yeah. Okay. And it's, so these are all the kind of, because you're in zone, are you in like zone I think seven? we're six. 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 Okay. So these lots the of these goodies, all these beautiful tender temperate plants have to live over here in the winter. Yes. They live in here. Here are all the zinnias and the um, geraniums and begonias. Here's all the geraniums waiting oh. to go out oh my oh, friends beautiful. aren't they pretty yes that's and, and that's here begonias a, it's so fun to see that you've grown all these things and then to have seen have followed you on your instagram posts where there's such an intentionality about what you select to pair with a vase because like the geraniums the geraniums you often have with the the unfinished terracotta right i right. mean it seems like that's yeah, a, they, they just kind of talk to each other um isn't, can you see this beautiful sky? It's such a yes, gorgeous day. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's terrific. I'm, you're, I'm coming to you from cloudy Seattle. So I'm, I'm uh, loving that sky. Okay. Yeah. So here's the tennis court. Okay. Oh, wow. So, so this, this was, is, this really was a game changer when you decided to do this, right? Yeah. It, it was my husband's idea. Um, we, this tennis court was originally built in the 1930s, so when we moved in, all the fencing had fallen down, and our kids were young, so we, we put up the fence, but none of us, as I write, none of us ever played tennis. <laughs> um, so my husband uncharacteristically said, well, why don't you grow your flowers up here? And so you can see how many raised beds I've put in over the years. Now I've done all these rose bushes in these little pots here. Yep, on the Although ends. Although there are lots of roses. And then here are my beehives. Look at the one, oh that tall God. one over there. The bees are so happy with the sun. It was so cold and rainy over the weekend. So they, they've kind of had to be hovering 
and yeah. thing, trying to warn themselves, and right. now they're, they're floating around. Yeah, now they're now everything is kind of rocking here. So, you so, so. so the raised beds, uh, there's no bottom to them, correct? No, they just sit on the court, but you can mm -hmm. see over time they've all cracked, mm -hmm. and I get lots of great stuff in the cracks. So I always just <laughs> kind of. You know, encourage like I've it. Got, I've got allium and dianthus and, you know, sunflowers come through. It's so very it's, disorganized, but it has a lot of flowers in it. It's a functional chaos, but you know where yeah. everything is. I love it. I do. Wow. So you're so, actually planting, here it is, May 9th. You're starting to get put your dahlias out now. Yeah, because the, the new, the, um, the Dahlia companies are, are shipping their stuff so much sooner now than they used to. And so, like Swan Island, I think we got their, their tubers early March. Just and then really you have early. to keep them. You have to keep them protected before you can plant them exactly. out. Exactly. So they've yeah. been sitting in the greenhouse, and um, and we just, we just got to get them in the ground. So yeah. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. It's not, well, how it, do you... Yeah, how do you balance this intense intensity of gardening? I guess because you have Laura helping you, because it, you have that demand, and then you have all your commissions that you've. Some of them are time sensitive, I, right? Oh yeah, but you know, I really you have to, you know, even if I'm working at the wheel, I get up and I come out here. You know, I just chop everything up into kind of segments, and so that I'm not doing one thing for any long period of time so that I, I just, so that I, I get tired and cranky. So, and I'll like, I'll try and come out here and have tea in the afternoon and, you know, like just bring my clippers. And even if I just pull out a few weeds or something like that, it's, you know, it's just lots of, lots of chores over a period of time, little bits at a time. Right. Right. I love it. And, and also maybe that, um, subconscious how it feeds your subconscious when you've changed tasks things come to you that you probably had been I don't know exactly by. Yeah. exactly like especially if I'm throwing at the wheel or I just have to get up and go away and take a break because I feel then you come back you're a little bit better so talk to me a little bit about you said like I showed you the bud base you said you're not doing things like that anymore are you mainly producing uh vessels for um for existing like commissions that come to you or I know you have some shows coming up too but is it mainly for those two categories of things you know if there's there's no, I have no I have no set schedule I okay. just it, it depends like if I get a commission or an exhibition comes up or uh I have orders yeah I just it changes all the time mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I just, the, because those, when I was doing the bud vases, I, get, I think, you know, once I, I wrote that the book, um, my calendar just got a little bit busier. So I just didn't have, because it's not only making those little bud vases, it's, then you have to get them packed and shipped. You know, there are a lot of steps to it. So oh my I just gosh, I ran out exactly. of time. Exactly. You can, I mean, can, I, the thing about it, seeing a piece that came from your hands, I can see almost the, you, you know, your fingerprints in it in a good mm -hmm. way. Like I know you've, you've, there's, it's one of a kind and that's yeah. what's special about your work. The, it seems like when you have the exhibition, like the one coming up at Madhu, that's gives you a chance to maybe go deep into a particular pra mm -hmm. um, method. Is that yeah. like the wood fired pottery? Yeah. I, I, yes, because the Madhu 
exhibition is organized by uh, my Abby Bankser, whose company who's, is a gallerist who has Object Thing, and she and Madhu organized it together, and sh- and Abby and Object Thing show a lot of my wood fire. So that's a great opportunity. And then I think another exhibition that came up rather um, unexpectedly for next week is at during the Freeze Art Fair. That object and thing is curating work for, I think it's called LK Atelier in a townhouse. So I just, it's just wonderful to have these opportunities because it's, you know, I love, I love to have, um, I just love to have a project, a vision for making something as opposed to just making work that doesn't go, you know, that's just maybe sits in my studio. No, that makes sense. It's sort of like a theme for a collection or, um, right. When you are working on your uh, your vessels, um, what do you prefer, ceramics, pottery, or Doesn't all of the above? Matter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you're working on a piece, is, are you picturing what you would design to put in them? I mean, I know this. I kind of want to play on this flowers as artist muse theme yes, that we're, we're looking course, at for obvious reasons. Well, yeah. I mean, for example, um, I'm while we're talking, I'm looking at the bearded iris. Hold on, let me show you what I'm talking about. Where I can see that the buds are starting to pop out, like here, can you see? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, um, yes, they're swelling there. Yes, yeah, so I have lots of bearded iris here. Um, and then of course the tulips. So I'm I'm constantly assessing, oh, that's that's coming up soon. What, you know, what do I have something for them? These are all those great, huge lilies. Oh my goodness, uh, yes. This is Egyptian walking onion that you just cannot kill. It just, I, ha- I thought I pulled it all out and now I wow. see a nice big And it wintered over there. Yeah, see, here's another wonderful <laughs> bearded iris bud. Um, oh, I love it. So, That's about at the stage of mine too. It's, yeah. it's interesting that I'm in zone 8B and so... Is that is that warmer or colder? I it's warmer. Confused. It's yeah. warmer, and, and so I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, the but you can, you can see how warm and sunny it is up here. So I right. think this, like this, is a lot. Usually, a lot further ahead of the the round garden. Yeah, you're cheating the zone there because that reflective heat is just exactly. Gotta... So Crazy. so so the way the beds are, they're just sitting on top of the of the asphalt, but the asphalt is cracking. So I think what happens with like these great rose bushes is they just kind of push through the asphalt for their roots. Right. Right. As the asphalt disintegrates, it actually works to your favor. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, this rose bush has really gotten huge. And here's some more of those bearded iris buds. Mm. Wow. Here's some more. So I actually, I should probably get off the phone because I have to go. When I'm, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I have, oh, um, what am, I have to figure out what am I going to have for the bearded iris, right? Yes, you do. And that's okay. We'll let you go. I, I'm really excited that people will be able to, uh, who come to the Silfar Summit, will get the full story and see um, your process. I've watched you uh, present, especially during COVID. You did a lot of online presentations um, where you were able to show some video clips. And I thought that was, the, that was really a way to bring people into your process as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, well, that's good. I'll make sure I keep that. I don't have a lot of them because when you work by yourself, it's hard to, it's hard to photograph yourself, you know. Absolutely. So. And you have, a, you have such a distinct setup, for, like you showed us, for a finished collection or a finished vase. And so 
you're behind the camera when that's happening, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'm not really comfortable being photographed, as you might be able to gather from this. So I, um, I am perfectly happy to be the photographer and not in, in the photo. Well, it's okay. I'm so appreciative of your time today. You, you know, I had all these questions prepared for you, but we've talked about a lot and we'll, people who come well, to the summit you, will get a more bigger story. Exactly. But if there's one, what, something that you want, especially wanted to ask and didn't, I'm happy to answer. I guess I just, I am curious about your path to flowers. Like you, you had this art history background and you, you, I think it, in your book, you write about having had a, another, a textile business or something like that. A knitting, oh, I, was a, a, I had a knitting business. Well, I mean, I started growing the flowers because I was, because of the art history, I've spent a lot of time, you know, studying gardening books and flower books and flower paintings. And I found, you know, 28 years ago when I was doing the pots and, and we moved to this property where it's, there's so much sun, um, that a lot of the, a lot of the flowers that I envisioned using weren't really available in in the market, in the, I mean, I would go, I would go to the 28th street market in New York city when it was really huge. Now, of yes. course, it's like shrunk to almost nothing, but, um, but even the commercially grown flowers, they just, as you know, they just never feel the same as something that's authentically grown. So I just started ordering from, you know, Thompson and Morgan and, um, my husband's from the San Francisco. So we went to the the, the Dahlia garden in the park mm -hmm. and got resources from them. And I just, you know, I just started ordering and, you know, a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures. And, but again, that process of just doing it over and over again. And so every year it's, it's a further, it's a further exploration. So I never quite feel like, Oh, I'm, you know, I've done it now. I know what I'm doing now. I always feel there's something new to try and something new to learn about. And, um, and that, that keeps, keeps me going. Well, it's just your ethos of make, you know, making, making with your hands, um, right. or, or, or learning, teaching yourself. But, but also, and this is something I'm, I'll talk about in the talk and I, which I talk about in the book is that, like ceramics, the garden, there's, there's this whole level of unpredictability and, and, and a, a creating something that is, gets out of, it's out of your hands. So there's like a certain part of it all that you have to surrender and, or appreciate or be grateful for if something works, you know. Right. And respond to, like you yeah. may have, you may have an intention to do something with, Narcissus, and then all of a sudden you're switching to allium because right. the narcissists have blown right. out. And, right. And I always feel like that's the mark of an artist, of someone who can make beauty out of a mistake, <laughs> you right. know, well, you a disaster. To, you, yeah, you have to learn to go with it for sure, because <laughs> otherwise that you'll be doomed because that's just, that's just the way it goes, right? Well, Thank you so much for your time today. You are so generous with giving us a sneak peek. This is really going to inspire people to want to come here more and meet you. And we'll have copies of Life in the Studio for you to sign when people come to the Slow Flower Summit. I don't think we're going to make you bring a whole uh, 
whole truckload of finished pottery. No, that's not no, how you operate these days. No, <laughs> no, but okay. I, I'm, I'm happy to come and I'm, thank you so much for asking me to speak. I'm really oh, looking forward I'm, to it. I'm thrilled. And I will also, uh, when we post this in our show notes um, for episode 558 at com, I will have links so you can sign up for Francis's newsletter because that's where I learn most of what you're doing when you send those newsletters out. Right. Uh, about not not too events. often though. not too no often. but like a, if you're yeah. speaking or if you have an event that's yeah. how people can find you um, exactly right <laughs> I, I love it all right well go figure out what you're going to do with the irises and i want to see okay <laughs> all happens. right thank and, you so much uh, oh thank you francis uh i'll see you in a few months and okay. less than two months and um this was this is wonderful introduction for people who have no idea how vast your art your art reaches, not just at the wheel, but in the garden. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so okay, much. Thank you. Okay. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Please consider attending the Slow Flower Summit, where Francis will discuss being both an artist and a flower lover and grower, and how the two practices are interdependent, each informing and influencing the other. Her story will inspire anyone who wishes to integrate an artist's craft into floral design and flower growing. Francis's presentation will take place on Monday, June 27th. That's a day two of the summit. It will be followed by a Q&A and book signing. You can find all the Slow Flower Summit details and see photos of Francis's ceramic pieces and flowers in our show notes for podcast episode 558 at slowflowerspodcast.com. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Details Flowers Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. Grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing. With Details all in one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. Learn more at detailsflowers.com. If you missed joining us for the May Slow Flowers member meetup, which was last Friday, May 13th, check out the replay video, which I posted in our episode 558 show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com. In a designer's preview of the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit, we welcomed Zinnia D'Ambrosi of Sweet Earth Co. and TJ McGrath of TJ McGrath Design, as each shared their floral enterprises and how they stay true to their individual missions. As a bonus, both showed off seasonal and sustainable floral design, discussed their individual design processes, and shared how they connect clients, customers, and their communities with the beauty and meaning of flowers. You'll want to check it out, and you can find it in our show notes for episode 558. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. You can learn more at cafgs.org. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 849,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table one stem, one base at a time. I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you.